0: Hey, my name is Hendel Leva and I am the host of the online show Immigration MIC, Moving Immigration Conversations. Every week, I put on my Beats headphones and create original interviews for everyone to enjoy. It's a great opportunity for young people directly or indirectly affected by today's immigration policies to have their voice heard in the conversation. Visit www.thehandlemediaproject.com to watch all the interviews and learn how you can get involved. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of Immigration M.I.C. where we move immigration conversations, the only podcast online where we have the most honest immigration conversations from the people doing their work on the ground about the national immigration conversation. So today I have Daisy from Oregon. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Doing uh, good in on this Friday evening. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, It's raining outside. How's it all all the way over there in the uh, West Coast?
1: Um it was actually um snowing a little earlier um and it's been raining um I actually live on the east um, side of the state so we get a lot of snow over here but oh, really? okay. you know yeah yeah but it's it's been um raining snowing you know we have that crazy weather
0: <laughs> Yeah Um, so, yeah, so, you know, uh, like I mentioned to you just a couple of moments ago, um, this is uh, the podcast where, like, it's free to talk about really anything, um, you know, we focus on you and your story, so why don't we just start out with, uh, just getting to know who Daisy is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, um, right now I'm actually a student at Eastern University. Um, I came to the United States when I was 11 years old. Uh, so it's been more than half of my life now. Um, I came with my baby brother. Well, not so baby anymore, he's right. 16 now. Um, but I came with him and um, you know, we all go through struggles and um, I obviously did not know any English back then. Uh, and um, all of a sudden I had to become a um, father figure because I had to step up and translate and interpret and do all of that work that my parents couldn't do. Um, But, you know, luckily, um, I learned pretty quick. Actually, I was in ESL classes. I was out in like three years. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was really interested in the language. And I think that's why I learned um, super fast. Um, I am a DACA recipient. Um, I was one of the lucky ones that was able to qualify for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've been doing a lot of uh, work, um, like um, just activist work around it, making sure that People know who we are, making sure that uh, we don't have to to, um, say, you know, this is who I am. I think there's a lot of uh, that in the movement that we have to make sure that um, you, in a sense, validate yourself, you know. And I don't think that that's right. I shouldn't have to be validating or um, being questioning or being doing anything of that um, for for me, for who I am. Um, So that's kind of like... what I do, I obviously went to um high school here. I had a really hard time you know transitioning from high school into college. um I graduated back in two thousand twelve okay. and um so it was before DACA
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and it was really hard to uh actually see what I was going to do next. I didn't know what to do. And um, I think a lot of us have found ourselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I actually became super passionate about mental health. Sure. Um, so mental health for me has been, huge in this past five years so actually um, b-
0: before you get there you know like i mean definitely you know i want to expand on everything you just said and i definitely want to focus on the mental health um aspect of it you know very in depth because uh i did read mm-hmm. that um i think they did a presidential profile on you online so mm-hmm. i was taking a look through it so yeah um but yeah let, let me go first through your journey and let's let's get to that um you mm-hmm. know because that's super important um yeah. so where are you from originally How how did this journey all start
2: yeah,
1: um I was born in Michoacan, Mexico. So my dad is from uh from there and my mom is from Guerrero and I just happened to be born there, so that's where I'm from.
0: Okay. And um so what was the um initial let's say idea for um you know your parents to come to the US for yourself to come to the US?
1: Yeah, well, my dad had been um, coming for um, quite a few years before, and Mm -hmm. so it was, um, he would come and go, and um, I would only see him, like, um, basically one or two months throughout the year, Mm -hmm. and um, so it was that unity, you know, he wanted to have the family together as well as provide more opportunities, not just uh, for them, but for us, and um, he knew that I had always been interested in learning English, so I think that was a big um a big decision maker for him and obviously wanting to bring um the whole family together, making sure that my brother and I grew up um, you know, with him and closer to him.
0: Yeah, and you know, that's interesting because uh so I was I wasn't born when my dad used to make those trips. Um but he would tell me that he would travel from Guatemala to the US I think about ten times and he used to stay in um what they call the federal district of Mexico. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Federal Um yeah. So so um, you know, what What was it that, so would your dad travel back and forth uh, for work, to send back remittances?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so my dad would be here pretty much. Um, he was actually, he came to California and then Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would be here for like um, basically the good season, right? Like um, the summer and all of that, and then he would go back home like towards the winter. And it would be just to basically see us. Um, well, m- myself, I was... And only child for like about seven years mm-hmm. um, so he was making sure that he was always um, still there you know he would call me and stuff like that but it, it's not the same um, to get a phone call and then have that physical uh, contact that we all need
2: okay cool
0: and so um was your family uh, did they always I, mean, I guess did you start out in Oregon always
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I arrived to um, Oregon, so I've always lived here in Oregon. So I've been here for almost 12 years now.
0: Okay, so, um, you know, I'm from Long Island. I grew up in a town that was very uh, Salvadoran, uh, full of Salvadoran immigrants. What was it Mm -hmm. like settling in uh, Oregon?
2: Uh,
1: So I moved a lot, actually, uh, while here and then just throughout my life. Um, But uh, when we Um, came I lived in Salem which is the capital of Oregon Um, so it wasn't as um, it was a little interesting uh, because I remember my first day in school I was in seventh grade and I remember walking in and just um, feeling super lonely I did not speak English right Um, so it was like a transition there um, and after that um, I mean I got used to it and then I got through it Uh, coming to high school we actually moved again um, and we moved to um, a little town uh, near Salem, but it, well, I guess it was like 30 minutes away from Salem um, and it was very uh, different. So mm. it was very um, white based. Um, there weren't a whole lot of Latinos in there um, overall. Um, so that was, again, you know, another transition that I had to make. Uh, and then I moved, um, to Woodburn, Oregon, which mm. is actually like really high in like Latino population. Okay. Um, so I felt like I was back home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, coming to college, I actually moved to, like I said, the east side of the state, which is, um, super conservative. Oh, okay. uh, so that was another transition. Um, mm. yeah, that's what a lot of people don't know uh, from Oregon, the east side, it's super conservative. Um, there are Latinos here, but not as much as on the west side. Mm.
0: And um, so what can you tell me about, you know, I guess, what did you, I guess, learn about yourself as you were making those transitions in those uh, middle school, early high school years?
1: Well, um, when I was younger, uh, well, like in the middle school, um, it was really just, I felt like, you know, how, about that saying that they say that you feel like a lost um, fish, like in the water. Okay. Um, so it was kind of like that at the beginning, but I think because I had already moved a couple of times, um, before, um, when I was younger, mm-hmm. it was a little bit easier to just kind of make friends and then just, um, go out there. So I learned that, you know, when you go out and like try to find people, like definitely there are people out there who are willing to, um, be your friends and stand with you. So, mm-hmm. um, it's become super easier for me to like transition um, in a sense that I'll, I always find people that like help me and then um, I ad- identify myself with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's basically what I've learned, the fact that um, there are people who um, you will identify with.
2: Okay.
0: And uh, what would you say um, were some of the bigger challenges in um, during those years? You know, um, yeah, just what, what were some of the bigger challenges that you faced during those years?
1: Yeah. Um, well, definitely the language barrier was one of the biggest challenges that I had. Um, just not, I remember being frustrated all the time at the beginning because people would talk to me and I would want to talk to them, but I obviously did not know how to answer. Right. So that was really frustrating. Uh, it was a struggle. And then also seeing my parents, um, struggling, uh, whenever we went to the doctor, whenever we went somewhere and having to have the interpreter for them. Um, And I think one of the biggest struggles um, that I can think of is, I think it was two years later after we got here, um, my brother had um, a surgery and it was an appendix surgery. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in the room uh, with the doctors and stuff, and I obviously didn't understand everything they were saying, but I saw like the anxiety that my dad and my mom had, not knowing what was happening with their child. And um, from there, it just, everything shifted, you know, I obviously... I wanted to learn more and quicker and faster so I could help them. Um, Another thing, it's definitely the transitions that I've had um, because from area to area has been different, like there's more Latinos, there's less Latinos, and there's more people that I can identify with and not, as well as obviously, you know, being like an immigrant here in the United States, uh, you always find struggles. We had financial struggles with my family. That's why we moved a lot.
0: Okay. Yeah. um, You know, actually, when you're uh, talking about um, your brother's appendectomy, like it it reminds me of an interview I had with a, um, I think, a paralegal who her neighbor um, was having seizures in the middle of the street and someone went to her. No, she went to her and what was it? um, asked her if she wanted to call an ambulance and the lady said, no, like don't call the ambulance. And then she had to tell her that she was undocumented. That's why like she didn't want to call the ambulance. So like it just, rem- that that just reminded me of that story um, mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, so you're getting to high school now. Um, what visions did you have for yourself in the future?
1: Um, well, you know, being in high school, um, I did not know how like all the grading thing worked here because it's totally different than um, down in Mexico. I I was a little lost in a sense. Yeah. Um. And um, my senior year was one of the hardest years. I always knew I was, you know, undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um. So um, I grew up knowing that, and um, I, and I was always told, you know, you don't tell anybody because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. So it was a little hard to, in a sense, be. I mean, be in the shadows, right? Um, it was a struggle to like not be yourself, and I've always loved being myself. But in that sense, I had to like kind of close, close, um, and close up, and just you know not be able to like be who I am. Um,
0: uh, what would that look like? What would that look like? You closing up?
1: Yeah. So um, actually, a lot of the times, um, I worked. I always knew that I had to work three, four times harder than everyone else, right? And a lot of the times, um, I think that was how I coped with things. So I would actually just go and work harder, go and work harder. And even if, like, sometimes people would come up to me and ask me certain questions, I would just uh, stay quiet and walk away. Mm-hmm. So I was never a—I never felt comfortable facing that. And um, in high school, I, I think only a, two, pro, two teachers back in high school knew that I was undocumented. Mm-hmm. And they were actually my Spanish teachers. Uh, because I obviously felt comfortable with them, and uh, both of them were Latinos. Uh, As far as my peers, I would always, you know, um, I would always get so mad, because when we were applying for scholarships in senior year, um, I had everything. I had, you know, the grades. I was actually a salutatorian for my high school. Mm -hmm. And I had all the grades. I had everything, but I did not have, you know, a status. And I remember um, just getting super frustrated at them, and, you know, just walking away because I could not like just handle how, I mean, it is a privilege. It was a privilege for them and they did not see that that way. And I think that's a lot of the times how I like deal with it.
0: And, um, so when you mean walking away, um, at that point, um, did it mean that, did you attend your graduation or is that what you mean?
1: No, I, I definitely did. I went to graduation, um, and I had like a weird thing happen my senior year, um, so, I was, um, I did not know what like, the ranking was at all. Like, I never was interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually moved in the middle of my junior year in high school. So, then um, it's when I moved to Woodburn High School. Um, and um, I remember in our advisory, we would get like uh, copies of our transcripts. And I remember sitting one day and people were trying to find out who was the number one because the number one wasn't number one anymore. Sure. And I remember sitting there and someone came up to me and they're like, can I see your transcript? Right. And I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And I always saw that it was one of like 85 pages that they had printed. Right. Um, and I was like, Oh, like there's there, that, that's a lot of paper that they're wasting. Right. Um, and then I came to find out that day that I was actually the number one out of the 85 that was ranking. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was super interesting. I was like, what does that mean? Um, and towards the end of the year, um, there were like certain things that happened and because I was taking apparently some um, one less class in um, in AP, which is, you know, uh, for like college credit, um, I was um, I just automatically became uh, number two, oh. um, which was really interesting um to have it happen because obviously I was ranked number one throughout the whole year and then at the end of the year all of a sudden I'm number two right um, so that was a little <laughs> cha- yeah it was a little challenging and um there were um it was just frustrating mm-hmm. for me because I mean I looked at both grades you know and um and the person that actually got number one she was white mm-hmm. um so again um it was kind of like, I was always like put into like the second, you know, uh, tire whatever. Mm -hmm. And it had been happening to me since like, I was little, like even down, down in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, I always had that happen even if I got the highest grades. So I kinda, it was just kind of like a, like I was already used to it type Mm -hmm. of thing, but it was really frustrating. And now that I look back at it, it's just like, um, I did not want to look at it as in maybe like, it was like a racism thing. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it is or it wasn't, like I guess I'll never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like uh, I remember not wanting to even like wear my medal that they gave me mm-hmm. um, for my graduation yeah. because um, they even spelled my name wrong. Right. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah. Um, and I remember not wanting to wear it because it didn't represent me right. I um, and and I ended up actually wearing it because I got another medal for like National Honor society. It was like the first year that they gave it out and i i I guess like I just ended up wearing it because I knew like the grace didn't define me like I knew what I had done uh and not just academically but every or every other like um activity that I did. I did sports, I did everything that yeah. you know I tend to do
0: That was my other question because like i I see a little fire like popping up in you when you describe this like. Are you a competitive person? Because you mentioned sports. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what
2: sports uh, yeah. did you do? <laughs> um, I
1: actually played um, basketball and tennis uh, oh, when okay. I was in high school. Yeah. So, um, one of, I always wanted to play like in a team basketball. And I started freshman year in high school. And then I played for two and a half years and I quit because I moved schools. Okay. And then I started playing tennis. And the only reason why I actually wanted to play tennis was because it was fun. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to, like, uh, meet other people. And so that's how I actually started to meet people in my new school. Oh,
0: okay. Awesome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, uh, and, you know, just to, just to ask, what was your favorite subject in school? Like, what were you most passionate about?
1: There were a couple of things. Um, but the main one that I really liked was um, history. Okay. Um, I really liked history and, like, um, how, like, the government, like, worked and all of that, Um, and I think part of it was because I didn't grow up up here. I mean, I was 11 um, when I came, so um, I wanted to know, like, the history of the U.S., the history of, like, the the wars that happened, the history of, like, everything, basically, but I was mainly interested on how, like, the government worked, Um, and uh, I think it's for obvious reasons, right? So, um, and, like, my, I can't remember, like, the exact name but I remember senior year taking like a uh, government class that was required to graduate and I remember like I would always read extra because I wanted to know like I wanted to know how many senators there were like representatives and everything um and like elections and stuff like that so that was actually um probably my favorite and I also really liked reading. Mm-hmm um uh, reading was always one of my uh my favorite subjects in class um so like literature or whatever it was um i've always liked it and um i've always been to read because obviously like i'm always learning mm-hmm. um and i like to like just know more words so
0: okay well that's it's always great to know um you know what people's passions are and like you know Um, specifically in high school before we get into the conversation of uh, what comes next. Um, Mm -hmm. So you said you graduated high school in 2012, correct? Yes. Now, that's when Deferred Action was announced at the same time, Mm -hmm. correct? Can you tell me about those two worlds at the same time? What was happening?
1: Yeah, so um, I graduated in, I believe it was May... Or um, late May or early June. I don't exactly remember. It's mm-hmm. been a couple of years now. Sure. Um, but DACA was announced a few months later after I graduated. So um, and then also in 2012 here in the state, um, they were fighting for in-state tuition for undocumented um, students, mm-hmm. which we actually got that same year that I graduated. Sure. Um, so when I was, uh, applying for colleges and universities, there were certain ones that I couldn't apply for. And most of the ones that I could apply for were uh, private, um, universities. Right. And, um, a huge,
0: huge uh, tuition.
1: Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. And, um, so I applied to like a lot of schools and to every school that I applied, I pretty much got in, um, <laughs> uh, because of everything, you know, background that I had. Um, uh, so there was no doubt there. But obviously, there was a financial piece that um, helped hold me back, basically. Um, I actually did not know what I was going to do when I was a senior. Mm-hmm. And I had actually a really dark period um, you know, in my life. Sure. Uh, and um, it was frustrating. And um, I actually ended up doing like what's called a fifth-year program. So it's kind of like another year of high school, but you're taking college credits, and the uh, district pays for it. So it was kind of like my first year in college, but I was take I was technically a high school student still. Right, right. Um. So then I ended up doing that, and then a couple day de- a couple months later, DACA was um you know granted and uh everything just changed Mm -hmm. um i remember applying for it and gathering all my paperwork and um and then when i got the whole biometrics and receipt and everything it was just um unreal you know like i didn't know like what was gonna happen what was next uh there were a lot was
0: there was there like an excitement for it a nervousness to it i know because i've heard like both sides of that
1: um I guess I was both. I was really excited to, uh, you know, to see what would come next because I knew that with a with a work permit I could work and go uh, continue my education, Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was really nervous because with all the information, if something didn't get approved, like I could get denied, right? Right. Um, So it was it was a mixture of both.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: And um, so, uh, how long did it take for you to be approved, and what came after that?
1: Um, I believe um I actually did it through like a um an organization that would help, you know, people. Mm-hmm. And um I wanna say, you know, I applied for it and then I heard back in about maybe like a month, then I had my biometrics and everything. Mm-hmm. Um so I wanna say like it took a total of maybe like two to three months to get um to get it like to get everything, mm-hmm. including my social um and after that uh as soon as i got everything i started applying for jobs uh i actually um started to like you know uh to start driving and all of that so um well practicing and then i got my driver's license so after that well everything just changed you know i had a job i actually ended up having two three jobs at a time Uh, and then going to school and um driving so
0: so everything definitely changed like how did you
1: feel at that point? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Um, everything changed. Um, I remember, um, I think it was, well, towards the end of the summer or so. I don't exactly remember, but um, I actually got to drive my sister um, to her first day of preschool. Okay. Um, and so that meant a lot for me because, obviously, you know, um, I got my license well when I was um, 18 which was a little late, you know, compared to other people, I guess. Right. Um, but just yeah, a little everything, late. No, that's a late. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, everything changed. Um, I definitely, like I said, you know, I worked like two, three jobs at a time. During the summer, I definitely sometimes even had four um, for jobs. So, like, that would part-time jobs. But um, it would all be just, like, kind of like a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, everything definitely changed. Um, I could help my family with the bills at the house, um, I could, um, you know, take my siblings out uh, to, like, the movies and just do a lot of little things like that that a lot of people take for granted.
0: Okay, sounds great. And um, so at this point, you're uh, you're starting college, and I did read in the profile they did of you um, that you wanted to start an organization that brought together undocumented students and allies. Is that correct? Um, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and so would love to know, like, you know, were you beginning your activist your activism at this point and that's why you wanted to do it? Or how did that come about?
1: Yeah, um, so after getting DACA, um, I think a lot of people came out of the shadows. Um, uh-huh. uh, and I was one of them. So after getting it, um, you know, I joined rallies, um, I would like just look around and see what the state was doing. Um, I joined a couple of campaigns that were going on. Uh but yeah, so the whole um, so I've been on like on this for like a while now, mm-hmm. um, but um, the club and all of that. So I um, after graduating with my associates, I transferred to the university, mm-hmm. which is where I'm at right now. Um, and I actually went to a conference uh, called Oregon Students of Color Coalition, mm-hmm. and I met um, other people um, that were undocumented. And, you know, we sat in a room, and we said we should do something. And um, so we still keep in contact till this day. Mm -hmm. And um, I came back to campus, and I wanted to start something to raise awareness and to make sure that um, people on campus knew what was going on because I knew it was really conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came back, and I asked around. And so I um, started a club called United Undocumented Students. Mm Um, And, yeah, so part of it was I wanted to, like, bring a safe space to those who were undocumented and um, wanted to come out of the shadows. But I also wanted to bring, like, allies who will, like, join us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to do it because, like I said, in the east side of, like, um, Oregon, it's really conservative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wanted to do it more to, like, raise awareness and let people know, hey, like, there are people who are undocumented on the east side as well, not just the west side.
0: Mm -hmm. And um, now is that something that, so the West Side, I believe, is more Latino. So people would think that there's more folks war documents, correct? Right, correct, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I guess, uh, did this uh, club grow slowly? Like, how many folks, like, you know, engaged? What did that look like?
1: Um, so, I started it. Um, it's almost going to be three springs to go. And, like, the first um, spring that I got approved and everything, we only had a, um, a couple of folks. Mm-hmm. And we started doing, uh, you know, I wasn't even supposed to lead it um, because I, I was, I'm like the co founder of it. So, there's sure. another person that started it. And I was just like the VP at that point. Um, and so we were just trying to like get the wheels going see what we were going to do. Um, uh, we all had different visions for the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last year I actually, well, took over and, uh, we did like fundraising. We had like tackle sales. We did, we joined like national campaigns, like the I'm an immigrant campaign mm-hmm. with, um, FW.US. So we joined that, uh, we joined their coalition as well. Uh, we did um, a lot of just kind of like local things, like the purple letters for DACA. Right. Uh, and we raised a lot of awareness that way. Um, but we always did our fundraising. And out of the, our fundraising, we actually, uh, my goal was to start um, scholarships for undocumented folks. Mm-hmm. And we did, we started a, um, a little scholarship. Uh, and we, ha- we actually had some people that just wanted to give us, um, you know, some money for the club. Sure. And, yeah, so we did. Um, I was the president last year uh, of it. Uh, and it was super rewarding just to raise that awareness and the support. Although I was a little nervous at the beginning, you mm-hmm. know, because I didn't know how people were going to take it. Sure. But at the sure. end, it was, it was great. I mean, um, I actually ended up giving it up um, just this last spring mm-hmm. because um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't, like, take it anymore. Sure. Not because, you know, I'm not passionate, but I had other uh, commitments at this point. so uh, yeah
0: cool and um so what would you say like you know because i i'm gonna ask you about mental health next um Mm -hmm. but in terms of like you know what has your been what has been your experience like within the immigration movement i guess and you know just any like i don't know tidbits you want to share about that any experiences um you know, and again, like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, oh, everything was great. Like, I think everything's great. Mm -hmm. Like, it could be, you know, very honest. Um, what are some of your experiences within the immigration movement?
1: Yeah. Um, well at the beginning, um, when I started, um, it was very like, I just want to get stuff done. I want to like make noise. Um, I wanted to eat the world in a sense. right? Right. Um, and, um, I just continue to do work. I continue to like join and just kind of step on the sideline. Mm -hmm. And um, part of it was, I honestly, I never shared my story. Um, um, You know, like what the process of like how I came here and everything. And so it was a little challenging at the beginning for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But after DACA and everything, so I took like um, the undocumented and afraid like to heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, there were times where I was super positive and all of that, but, uh, the more I got into it, the more I realized that it was, it was draining and it is draining, you know, mm-hmm. because you're putting like everything, like you're not just putting yourself, but you're putting also like your mental health out there. You're putting yep. your spiritual. And I think that's what happens when you believe in something. Yep. Um, so it was definitely, um, a little challenging, uh, But other than that, I mean, like, I've met, like, great people along the way. Um, I was just in D.C. a couple weeks ago, uh, and that was super powerful just to be with people that are doing the same work you're doing, and you're not the only one. And I think that's what I learned, just that there are people who care and that there are people who are willing to put themselves in the line for you
0: well I mean that's a great assessment I think a, uh, a lot of us that are doing this work like undergo the same thing um so yeah so you uh, mentioned at the beginning of the interview you're super passionate about mental health um now one thing that I have been open about on my podcast is that kind of just what you described like you know I have given a lot of myself to this movement because I believe in it and you know, unfortunately, sometimes it's come back to bite me, and like
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know my mental health has taken a hit, my personal relationships have taken a hit at times, mm-hmm. so um you know, would love to just have you describe you know um why you're so passionate about it uh, yeah
1: yeah, for sure, so, um as I mentioned earlier, uh, when I was a senior, I went through like a really dark period mm-hmm. um. Uh, I actually thought about suicide when I was a senior Um, because I always, you know, wanted to go to college. I always wanted a career. I always wanted I always ambition that. Right. And once it was I realized that it wasn't really going to happen as fast. Um, I just thought of the worst. And like every day, I remember when I was a senior, I would come home and I would cry to my mom like literally every day. And whenever like there were scholarships or stuff like that, I would just go to my mom and cry. Um, and I went through like a really dark period, you know, like I said, I thought about suicide and I actually remember, um, going to confess myself and, um, you know, I went to the priest and then I talked to him about it and I will never forget what he told me, you know? Um, and I think it's something that a lot of other people would have told you, but I never felt comfortable with anybody sharing like suicidal thoughts. Right. Right because it's something that you don't really talk about. Um, I didn't grow up uh, with my parents talking about mental health at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a sense, like, there are certain communities that just don't talk about it, and I unfortunately, I think that um, that's, I'm part of one of those, right? right. And um, so he, you know, I remember him telling me, you know, like, you're young, like, you have, like, all of this ahead of you, like, don't give up. Mm-hmm. And um, so after that, you know, um, I always just kind of bottle things up all the time. And I remember I actually went on a hike Mm -hmm. um, and I just like cried and cried and cried. And after that, I just like felt a lot better, you know? And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, what is this? Like, this is, it was something new to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that um, I just like kept on like, I guess meeting people and stuff like that. And I um, just this last year, um, so when I came here, so i have been here for three years at the university. Mm. Um, and then the first year that I got here, uh, it was actually when I got the, uh, the club started and all of that. So I actually went to see a counselor for the first time. Mm. And, um, I remember my first day, like I sat in the couch and I was just like, what am I doing here? I was super nervous yeah. and not know where to start. Um, but you know, I went and I feel like great after that. And actually this, um, last year. Uh, when the elections happened and all of that Mm -hmm. uh, I was super frustrated and I had more suicidal thoughts and um, I had um, obviously like I've always felt like I had like this great supportive system around me but I've always been the one that just bottles things up and doesn't want to talk about it And, you know, going yeah. to, and I still see, like, my therapist now, uh, till, till, till today, actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and it was just really hard to know that, like, I, that I have this really strong support system, mm-hmm. but I know, like, there are other people out there who don't have it. Right. And I, and that's mm-hmm. part of why, like, I became super passionate about it, because, like, I always think of folks, you know, who are just out there alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know that because I wasn't alone and I know that because I reached out for help, like Mm -hmm. nothing happened. But I also know that there are a lot of lives that we've lost because of, um, you know, everything that is going on. There's a lot of trauma that goes into it. Like um, there are certain things that I did not know, like what they were called. Right. And I know like. Uh, when I came here, I, uh, I actually, I didn't used to wear watches at all. Mm-hmm. And that was part of like a trauma that I had, uh, because of when I came sure. and, um, uh, and that's part of it, you know, like, um, I'm super passionate about it. Like actually now I'm the student body president of Eastern Oregon university. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my main focuses. I wanted to um, start talking about mental health and part of it is, um, not a lot of people are talking about it enough. And I've realized throughout this year that if my mental health is not right, like my physical starts to like get super like deteriorated as well as everything else. And, uh, you know, it's important that I've always believed in leading by example. Mm -hmm. And it's important that, you know, when you're feeling vulnerable and all of that, like you share those things. And I think, um, a lot of, a lot of people would just kind of identify themselves with what's going on. And maybe, you know, obviously there are people like that don't even know what the heck is going on with, like, the immigrant movement. But once they start to, like, know other people or stuff like that, like, it opens more more opportunities for support. And not just for, you know, for, like, the, the movement, but for other people as well.
0: Well, well I want to say uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you being that open, and um, you know, in return, you know, I I definitely you know um, I'm gonna be open, you know, with you. Uh, you know, in high school, I used to have suicidal thoughts as well. Um, and what well, I guess like, so I have a film out right now that's called From One Mistake: How Immigration Became My Very Personal Fight. Um, that I'll share with you more information with afterwards. But I talk about how, in high school, like. Through a lot of bullying, through a lot of uh, peer pressure, you know, I did have suicidal thoughts as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing I talk about is how it was actually Connie West's first album that came out that kind of inspired me to keep going and to continue. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, anxiety and depression is something that has come back to me recently. I would mm-hmm. say in the last two years since I lost um, my job at an immigration organization, and um, it's been a really tough road to come back and like to adjust my mental health and it was one of the reasons why I started this podcast um, was to talk to people and just you know be open myself and talk to others so um, you know I guess I'm saying this just to let you know that like you're talking to someone who like has struggled with it and continues to still deal with mental health so I just want to say thank you for sharing that. no,
1: thank you for sharing that too. I think it's it's important for all of us to share that, you know, like, I remember having a conversation with actually my mom, and I told her that, you know, when you're kind of like this leader, like, whether it's uh, like on campus for the community or whatever, like, there's like this stigma of oh, that person is so strong, you know, and that person like doesn't break down. But the reality is like, yeah, we break down. We we are strong, but like we're also humans. And I think, um, you know, when it comes down to leaders, a lot of the people tend to forget that, that we are humans, that we do struggle, that there are nights when we go home and we feel lonely, you know, like that there are nights where um, you just want to cry, you know, and I think that it's important to like, for people to know that it's okay to not be okay. What's not okay is to not ask for help.
2: Right.
0: Oh. Uh, again, just thank you so much. I, you know, that that really means a lot, like, you talking about this. Um, okay, so, you know, we're just going to keep going a few more minutes. Um want to ask you about the events leading up to the election uh, in 2016 um, and kind of, like, where, you know, your experiences since then. So, um, what happened on election night for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, so actually I was in school and um, I... I don't remember exactly what I was doing that day, but, um, something that I've done, um, it's, I always try to keep myself busy so I don't think about things. Um, and that's how I just cope with things, uh, which I know it's bad and I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but I remember I actually got home, I think it was around 5 PM and, or so. And, I actually did not check social media at all that day. I did not want to. Um, I actually did not even have a TV. We had just, like, Netflix.
2: Okay.
1: I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch it. Like, um, But obviously, it was accessible online. I right. um, like, I'm not going to watch it. I just I don't want to know what's going on. And um, I went to a friend's house, and she was watching it. And so I was like, well, dang it. Like I'm going to have to watch it now. Right. <laughs> um, and I remember... Um, We actually got together. It was like a friend's um, birthday. So we went to his house, and um, they were watching the election as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I just want to go home. But I just decided to stay, and so I did. I stayed, and then I remember watching those numbers just like switching all the time, switching all the time. And then at the end, like the results came out. And I remember, like, I just like, got up, and then I left. Mm -hmm. And I was just outside, um, just trying to, like, try to, like, try to make sense of what just had happened. Mm -hmm. And after that, um, I went home, and I just, like, slept. And I woke up the next morning, and I just felt, like, super upset. And I actually... I don't remember exactly what day the elections the election was. But I remember like that Friday of that week I called to an emergency meeting, a safety emergency meeting um on campus. Um and I actually I was frustrated because we did not get like any letter or any email saying like from the university saying Hey, like, you know, uh, we stand with you or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I knew that all their colleges and other universities had gotten like um, something like that. Right. And so I decided to call this meeting. I called administration and then I called like pretty key people that I knew like how to like be involved in it as well as students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember um, before that meeting, I actually went to talk to my therapist and I told her how I felt and. I was just really confused on how to feel, you know, mm-hmm. and um it was just really hard to see that someone that led this campaign based on racism and all of all of that that uh, this man stands for had won, mm-hmm. and I remember telling her that I did not want to be vulnerable in front of like a room full of people because right. I was be leading this um mm-hmm. this meeting since I called it and I remember uh, her telling me that, you know, you are a human and you have to show that side because it's part of who you are. Mm. I remember sitting in the meeting and I told the you know, administration, like the president was there, a couple other people were there. And I remember telling them, um, I don't feel safe right now. Mm. And I'm really upset because you literally like have said nothing. And it took me like about, I want to say a month or two months, a month to a month and a half to, like, actually get something sent out from administration, which wow. was very frustrating, yeah. Um, so, that's,
0: that's January of last year, I think?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, it took, like, a while, and and then I definitely, after that point, I started to, like, demand more things from the university. Hmm. It's like, you know what? You need to do this. You need to do that. And I've always... Um, on campus I've always been kind of like this like troublemaker in a sense but not really because it's like hey you need to wake up <laughs> right. um, of things that are going on so like they already know there's something happening oh it, it might be Daisy right, right. <laughs> I totally don't have a problem with it like I mean um you know like I just I, I stand for what I believe in and mm. even if I'm the last person like that believes in that and I'm the only one that stands up like mm. I don't mind it like i've learned to stand up for myself and for others and you know and so that's what i was doing um but it was very frustrating um just to see and then you know like everything just like kind of happened and then the whole like ban and like just everything that like went like that has been happening for the past year now
0: Mm. yeah and so um what would you say like um you know where are you at right now Like, you know, I I did see on Twitter, you know, you're very active in calling for, like, action. You're very active in calling for, you know, uh, calling out for, you know, allies and, like, support. Um, Where are you at right now, both in terms of your activism and in terms of uh, your mental health?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll start with my mental health, uh, and I'll share something with you. So, actually, um, I will be going back to D.C. I leave tomorrow. Okay. Um, I will be there for the next week, um, uh, because of the extension that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so starting this Monday I started to feel super anxious and I actually just started school this Monday.
2: Okay.
1: And um so like I said earlier, like I've always been that type of person that I know when I need help. Mm-hmm. And I reached out um to my therapist and I was like, "Hey, I need to see you before I leave. Like, right. there's no way I can leave without seeing you." Mm-hmm. And um, part of it was um, like, I just didn't know where all this anxiety was coming from, right? Yeah. Like, I knew, but I didn't really know, and like, I don't, I didn't know how to deal with it. And um, I realized I was looking at my schedule, and I realized that like sometimes I have more meetings than I have classes. Mm-hmm. And all of that, because I try to, like, occupy myself with other things. Yeah. And um, after seeing her, like, yesterday I saw her and I had a conversation and everything. <sighs> and she told me something that, like, I know I've been working on. And it's more like of making time for myself, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, I, I told her, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to react if this doesn't pass. Or I don't know if I'm, I obviously know how I'm going to react if mm-hmm. this passes, right? Um, but I didn't know, I just don't know, you know, and I told her like, I know I will be okay because of like the group of people that I'll be around. But my thing was, I don't know how, how I'm going to deal with it when I come back, Mm -hmm. like back here at the school and, um, just in general. Right. And, um, so she was just like, you need to just, um, take time for yourself, you know? And, um, I haven't really rested since like, uh, I'm always like on the go. Mm -hmm. um and so you know she she's always calling me out on that like hey you need like time for yourself like I know how you deal with things but you need time for yourself Mm -hmm. and um after seeing her like definitely I feel like more calm I feel like um I've been doing like little things here and there that you know I was told and um I think, like, I'm ready for, like, anything that happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, definitely. Um, I'm hoping for the for the best, definitely, as well. Right. I think it's time that something happens. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my activism work, well, um, well, last Friday um, we actually uh, had a rally in the Salem capital, which mm-hmm. there weren't a whole lot of people, but it was, like, something that was organized within two days. Yeah. Um, so it was, like, a quick turnaround. Um, and I called, like, allies out, you know, mm-hmm. like, allies are always saying like I stand with you and all of this but a lot of like the work that is being done is from people like that from like basically the undocumented youth right like like allies aren't doing like a whole lot and like honestly like I'm tired of it you know like
2: just I'm let it tired. out let it out here <laughs> hey, let it out here
1: yeah like I'm just like tired of people saying like I support you but not doing anything right Um, and like, even on like my Facebook, I'm always like, you know what, like your Facebook like profiles aren't going to help me. Like you need to start calling your representatives and stuff like that. Um, so I think lately, not lately, but like just like a couple years, you know, like I've just been calling them out, like just left and right. Like if you really say you stand with me, like I need you to write this letter. I need you to call this representative or the Senator. I need you to do like this things. Right. Um. And I'm obviously, like, always calling other people out because I realize that, like, not all of us feel comfortable sharing that are undocumented, right? Mm-hmm. And I realize that there are a lot of us who are still in the shadows. But it's so important to, like, come out. And I think part of it is just, like, that I'm worried about. It's, like, that mental health. Yeah. Um, because I realized what, like, it did to me once I shared it, you know, like, um, it was kind of like a relief. Like, I did not have to hide anymore. And so it's always important for me to do that. Um, as far as like everything that is going on, well, like, um, I'm going back to DC, uh, for a week, you know, so, um, I'm doing work in the ground essentially. Uh, but I am also making sure that people from here, from the state are calling, um, the representatives or senators, especially, uh, one of the representatives, um, Greg Walden and represents half of the state. Okay. Um, He actually hasn't come out and uh, said anything. Um, We actually met with him when we were in D.C. and he said he does not support the DREAM Act, um, which was very uh, frustrating because he's the only one from Oregon, Mm -hmm. but he is the only Republican. So uh, in a sense, it makes sense, right? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is annoying, but, um, you know, we'll be calling him out. Like, that. that's what we've been doing for, like, this last few weeks, uh, making sure he comes out. And, I mean... I live here now in Le Grand, you know, and so like he, I am one of his constituents and if he doesn't, um, I mean, there's a lot of people that are being affected here in, um, on the east side as well that are DACA recipients and I think he just doesn't know how many people there are. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, that's kind of like where I'm at right now with the activist work. Uh, we are doing things here locally as well as, you know, nationally.
0: Great. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear, you know, like that you're keeping yourself balanced or you're trying to, but yet you're doing you know, a lot of work and helping push a lot of these things forward. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, so we're gonna wrap up, but uh, you know, I'm gonna end this interview the way I end most of my interviews, um, but I do wanna say this beforehand. So I think there have been maybe three or four DACA recipients who have chosen this specific platform to um, come out per se, right? For the first time and share their story. And so I guess um, what words of encouragement would you send to those folks that are on the fence about coming out and sharing their story and joining this type of work? Um, And how would you help them um, through that process?
1: Yeah, um, so I think something that personally helped me was Um, like I said, like coming out for me was kind of like, I took like a weight off my shoulders because like I said earlier, like I was always told like, you don't share that Mm -hmm. and you don't do that, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I've learned like you have to stand up for yourself because there are people who are fighting for you. Right. But like, if you don't stand up for yourself, if you're not fighting for yourself in a sense, like, although there are other people that are fighting for you, like you're not really fighting for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, that's the main thing, like, knowing that, like, you could do something, like, um, just by sharing the story, you never know whose life you're going to impact, right? So, like, um, coming out for me, like, was meant that other people could come out because I knew of a lot of other people that were um, DACA or undocumented folks. Mm -hmm. And um, in a sense, like, sharing your story and realizing that, like, there are other people out there who are just like you who have gone through the same struggles, like, Mm -hmm has made a huge impact, not just in my life, but in others lives. Um, And I think people have to think of that, like, how can I help maybe my neighbor that might be undocumented? Or like, how can I help maybe someone like that is close to me and um, that they're dealing with this? And, you know, like, again, I mentioned the whole mental health, like, it's a big piece of it, like, um, you might be saving a life, like, honestly, you never know. Uh, And especially if you're like, um um out there and people like knowing you like Mm -hmm. knowing that you're undocumented could mean so much to somebody right like it could be an inspiration it could change somebody's life um and you never know like what might come out of it um obviously like i understand some people don't feel safe uh sharing it and that's okay you know you're gonna be ready whenever you're ready Mm -hmm. but i definitely say like my tips i guess would be um share with somebody that is close to you um and share it with somebody that you know it's gonna um, support you, right? Um, so I think that those are the main ones, and definitely encourage people to go like see a therapist or something because it, it changes your life, you know. Um, I know a lot of people might not like the um, the experience, but that's okay. You won't know until you try it,
0: right? Well, Daisy, I want to say you know personally thank you so much. Uh, we went pretty deep into this interview, and I'm very happy for that. I'm very happy that. Um, you know, you shared a lot of these personal stories into this with me, and I know I'll take a lot from from this interview. And just want to thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and for um, advocating for both immigration and mental health.
1: Yeah, no, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate the fact that you also share your stories about, uh, you know, mental health. It means a lot to hear um, that from other folks as well.
0: Great, thank you.